You're listening to the Exeter Vineyard Church podcast. New episodes each week. To watch the full video version of this podcast, head over to our website, www.exe.vin forward slash podcasts. Uh, We're going to do seven sessions and we're doing it on discipleship. So this is something for the past... Like Sarah and I have led the church for 18 years. Probably the past seven or eight, this has been like the really important word for us, which is kind of crazy when you think about it because that means for the 10 years previously, we weren't really thinking about it because it had just become, it's a bit of a uh, technical church word, I think, that people would use and mean different things about it. But actually, the more that we've understood about it, the whole reason of church is, is built around discipleship. When Jesus started the church, when, when he lit, left uh, earth, went, was um, ascended to heaven, he charged his followers, go into the world and make disciples. So this is the purpose of church. Sometimes we can have other ideas about what church is about. Um, and people outside can have other ideas as well. I think a lot of people think Church is for people whose hobby is Christianity. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you join, I am into fishing, so I've joined an angling club. I'm into Christianity, so I've joined a church. So people can think that. I think sometimes the mental image we are working with, the model we're working with, is of a restaurant where like, you come and you are served you know, sustenance, food, things like that, and then... The people that are doing that are like the staff and you might have to do a shift in the kitchens or setting out the chairs or things like that. But I think what we need to understand with church is it's the, the mental image that would be far more adequate would be more like a bring and share meal. That we all bring something and even if all you've got is a piece of very mature Stilton, you know, that, that you don't think's much and it's a bit smelly, but there's someone else who's going to be encouraged and blessed by that bit of mature Stilton, you know, because they've bought a bit of apple chutney and a car's water biscuit. I'm going to stretch this analogy so far. For the next seven weeks, we are going to be down to ingredients. And no, we're not. Uh, so I think this idea of the way we, in the West we've done churches, we have thought very much uh, about there's a group of people that are providing for everyone else. You know, this goes way back to basically about 300 AD when the church stopped being led in homes by shepherds and, you know, normal people and started to become a professional thing of people who could speak a certain language and all that. So um, what we want to do is think, what is it that God wants to do through church? And then how, as a church, do we lean into what God wants to do? So we need to be intentional about the process of discipleship. So let's start by defining what that word means. So disciple literally means learner. And, uh, but maybe an apprentice would be a better word because in our you know, society, we tend to think of learners as people sitting in a classroom, looking at a textbook, rec- gathering information in their head that then they can recite. Whereas an apprentice is someone who will learn information but will learn how to do something specifically. And the thing we are being apprenticed in as a disciple is learning to live the life that Jesus lived, learning to live a Jesus life. So we are all disciples of Jesus, and we are learning to live the kind of life he lived. So it's more like a skill than information. And ultimately, because of what Jesus, who Jesus is, God become human, it's learning to live a proper human life, to be truly human, 
God came as a human being to show us what humanity is meant to be like without uh, all the mess that we've found ourselves, all our own shortcomings, all the rubbish we find around us. So ultimately, the process of discipleship is like, how do I become human? How do I become the person I was created to be? How do I become uh, fully alive? So we talk about it in three stages. So we say discipleship is about developing, maturing, deepening into our relationship with God. It is about that saturating our whole life, that we don't have this religious part of our life when we're doing our club, church club, and then the rest of our life, that God is involved in every aspect of what it is to be a human being. And then that overflows into the world around us. So this, we see this right, if you know the story of the creation story, you know, whether you think it's literal or a poem, it doesn't matter, but it's showing this. So in the story, God creates Adam and Eve, and, he, so, and they're just clay. They're just matter. They're not fully alive. They are just physical matter, and he breathes his spirit into them, and they become fully alive. It's about that relationship with God. And then he gives them uh, a perfect garden. You know, like he's created this place for them to live, and he says, like, your whole life now is spent with me. There's not the me part when I'm breathing into you and then you go off and do, you know, I don't know, whatever admin they had to do. You know, I'm involved in all of it. It talks about God would walk with them in the garden. So it saturates their whole life. And then he says, now I want you to go forth and this world, it's it's perfect, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's untamed and it's disordered and go and bring order and beauty to the world. And they go out and and their lives were made to have a difference to the rest of the world. So that is what we are still, this is what it is to be a human, is to have that relationship with God, understand that it's every aspect of our life God is involved and is interested in and brings the best out of us. And that this should start making the world around us a better place as well. So it's a process that we just are continually cycling around. There's no point when you get to and you're like, okay, well, I am now 100% in my relationship with God and uh, I'm just working on, you know, there's not a pass or fail. This is a journey that we are on. And I think most of us have experienced some form of discipleship, but sometimes I think it can almost be unintentional. So, I, you know, probably the reason we're here, we want to be here, is because there's this process going on. We're discovering a relationship with God. We're discovering it's changing our life. We have seen it overflow from others into our life and from ours into other people's lives. But I think sometimes that discipleship process can be uh, stalled. Maybe you feel you've plateaued. You're like, I can remember when it felt like God was doing so much, and now I'm just getting on with my life, and it's kind of like just stalled. I don't feel I'm growing developing, maturing. Um, And I think sometimes it's because we haven't been intentional about it. So I was thinking about this. If you you can imagine uh, someone eats an apple uh, that they got at the restaurant, no. (laughs) They got from the bring shed. No, someone just eats an apple. This is a separate analogy. It's just also about a food stuff. Someone eats an apple, throws it out of the car window. It lands on the verge. Uh, decays, a pitfall gets in the ground and sprouts and you have an apple tree that, that gives apples. And I think, if I think about my life as a Christian from when I was 17, that kind of feels like what's happened to me. It's just I've, I've uh, kind of grown, I've God's done stuff in my life, but there wasn't an awful lot of intention in it. It just kind of felt like I just, it just was kind of happening and it was all God's grace. But there's a difference between an apple, grow, an apple tree growing on the side of the road and an orchard. 
An orchard where someone is deliberately thinking, how do I get fruit? How do we produce fruit? How do we plant? How do we feed and nurture these trees? How do we prune them? How do we sort them out? So I think what we want to do as a church is be a orchard where we are encouraging one another and developing one another and, dis- and helping one another be disciples of Jesus so that we are producing fruit. Just as we talked about in the other room with Adam, those love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control, these qualities are being developed in us by the Holy Spirit that spill out into the world around us. So we want to think about how, how can we intentionally help encourage, how can we make this church an orchard, not just a verge on the side of the road? And so another way that we, want, we like to think about this is... Um, you know, what does it mean? This is kind of a little bit disembodied. Our relationship with God saturating our whole life, overflowing the world around us. How do, we, how do we kind of assess our journey to be more and more fully human? And how can we look at Jesus and say, you know, if we're going to be like Jesus, this has to mean more than just we need to start going around on donkeys and wearing a robe and sandals. You know, what is it really talking about? And the thing I think you see in Jesus is just how fully secure he is. Like he's always himself. He never gets dragged out into, you know, uh, insecurity at any time, whether he is around people that think he's amazing or people that want to kill him. He's always his true self. And so I think the idea of being secure, which is a massive Bible thing, you know, building your life on a, found, on a secure foundation, being secure is really helpful for us because the opposite of security is insecurity, and insecurity in our life manifests as fear, manipulation, control, uh, protectionism, safety, uh, prioritizing safety, pretending, trusting in temporary staff, isolationism, perfectionism. It's all to us trying to sort ourselves out uh, and deal with the insecurity by masking it with other things or, or filling that hole with other things. But actually, if we're just secure, we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to mani- try and manipulate others or control others. We don't have to uh, control our surroundings, try and make them as perfect, um, because we all know that that doesn't work anyway. And so I think, you know, that phrase that people talk about, being comfortable in your own skin, I think that is a, an expression of just being more and more secure. So we talk about these five different areas of being secure. It's a really good way of thinking, how am I doing? So being secure in God. Do we just, are we fundamentally uh, believing that God just is on our side, that he loves us? We don't have to earn it. We don't have to have to do anything to deserve it. We don't, we're not faced with a God who's secretly a bit disappointed with us. God doesn't love us because it's in his job description. So he has to do it, but he's not that happy about it. It's not a chore to him. He's not doing that thing, well, I love you, I just don't like you at the moment. He's not doing that. He is passionately crazy in love with us, and we don't have to do anything. It's a pure gift. So are we secure like that? Are we secure in the good news that despite this messy world of ups and downs, of hardships, of good times, of bad times, God is ultimately going to do good in our lives. God is a force of good. For us, God is uh, bigger than all those things, and eternity is a, has a good ending. Are we secure in church? Do we feel part of a family? Uh, do we feel that we uh, are accepted and belong? Or are we feeling like I've got to pretend I'm a bit more something than I really am? You know, otherwise I'm worried people are going to reject me. Are we secure in our everyday life? Do we 
fully understand that God is involved in our hobbies, our workplace, our family, our, you know, all those elements of just our everyday life. Is God, uh, are we secure that he's involved, that he is interested? You know, or do we have this thing where I think he's more interested in whether I'm reading the Bible than whether I'm doing a good job at work, you know, whether I'm, you know, a nice friend. And then finally, we secure in mission that actually God has a purpose for us to make the world a better place, to bring order and beauty, to help others. So these things kind of map into those three areas of discipleship, of ways of assessing, you know, how am I doing on those? And one thing I want to work on is a kind of like way of, like, a helpful guide to kind of like ask ourselves some questions about different areas of our life and, and realise maybe where we're at. Um, so that's what this series we're going to do about discipleship is about like how, how do we recognise this process so it's intentional so we can work out what we can do as a church together, what we can do on our own. If we're going to do stuff that we're not going to find from people at Exeter Vineyard, how can we find it from other places but we can just be intentional about it. So do you know the, um, the saying, you know, give someone a fish and they'll eat for a day, but teach them how to fish and they'll run into EU post-Brexit quota problems. <laughs> Topical satire, there it is, biting. Um, so it's just like how it's about equipping ourselves to do this rather than the kind of unintentional, I hope it happens. Um, so we're going to talk about what we're doing as a church, but one thing I've, I think is bad, actually, is the church kind of sometimes, as a local church, we can think it all happens within us. And so I want to talk more about the principles and the ideas and the practices that are important, and that you might not find them in Exeter Vineyard, you might find them somewhere else, and that's fine. It's just about doing it. So um, we're going to talk about... This week and then the video, we're going to talk about environment and skills. So the environments that are today, we're going to talk about the environments for discipleship, and then and the video for next the next session will come out next weekend. We're going to talk about the skills. I thought I just wrote down. I think there's five things that we need to to have skills to be a disciple, and we're going to talk about those next time. So we're going to talk about environments today. So this is the Bible passage I want to use. It's from Acts two. It's the the birth of the church. It says this, they worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Cliffhanger. If you want to know what happens next, you're going to have to read Bible. So there's four things I want to just point out from here. The temple. Oh, my God. Uh, homes. Uh, Peter and John together, and then as they approached. So I want to talk about four environments where discipleship happens. And this is, I think, these, I'm using this to show, I think these are in the Bible. You can find them all sorts of places, these different environments. So they are the Sunday service. This is what we call them in Exavinia. Hubs, discipleship groups, and everyday life. Four environments where uh, where discipleship happens. What I want to talk about is the principles and what they're there for. So if you don't engage in 
these are the things that we put on. If you don't engage in the ones that Exeter Vineyard do, you can think, well, how can I engage with that important principle in another way? Uh, although I, I have thought, if you don't do the Sunday service hubs, discipleship groups, you, you're really not in Exeter Vineyard. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't come to anything, but then uh, there's no point in me saying that to you because you're here. So let's talk about them one at a time. The Sunday service, the big thing that we have in our mind is this. People think this is church. This isn't church. This is church getting together to do the Sunday service. In the same way, you would never say, uh, you know, we use the phrase like, what are you doing after church? Or are you going to church? You would never say, what are you doing after family? Are you going to family? This is, but so it's much more, makes much more sense to say, are you going to the Sunday service? What are you doing after Sunday service? The Sunday service is like the temple. Large, large amount of people coming together. Um, you don't know them. You don't know everyone, but you're connected. So, to take this into an analogy of family, the Sunday service is a bit like, I think, an anniversary party. You know, someone in the family's got a 50th anniversary and you have a party, you know, or an engagement party, something like that. So you don't necessarily know everyone there, but you're connected. You know you are connected. You're all part of the same thing. You are all for one another. And like at a family gathering, like a big family gathering, there's a weird uncle. I'm not going not gonna to point out who it is but we all know don't we and if you're thinking I don't know it's because it's you <laughs> uh, so yeah so we all gather together as a positive bond because we're in a large number it means we can do things we can have a band who are skilled and talented and they can practice uh, we can have people that are going to take your kids off your hands and spend time with them and encourage them. Uh, we can have someone who's going to look in the Bible and, and prepare something so there's an investment of work to make it happen and it's a great place for us to gather together to be reminded of our family values, of what God's done, what God's going to do. We have a great mix of people uh, with lots of different skills. But in the Sunday service, one thing it's not good for is most people end up spectating. You sit there and you, which is why we get this idea in our head, it's more like a restaurant. We're just sitting there and someone else is preparing. It's somewhat anonymous as well, which could be a good thing. You know, you know, you might like sitting at the back. I know I'm introverted. I prefer to do that sometimes. Uh, so it can be a good place to dip a toe, see if you like it. Uh, it's a good place to express emotion if you don't want people to know you're feeling emotional. You know, it's slightly anonymous. That's the Sunday service. So it's a great thing. It does some things really well, but does because we're spectating, it doesn't do everything really well. So the second thing, hubs. In Acts 2, that's when they met in the homes. They met around a dinner table. They did. said they shared the Lord's Supper. It means that they were worshipping together. They were putting God at the centre of their time together. I think the family equivalent to this would be like a Sunday meal. You know, there's multiple generations gathered around their Sunday lunch. You know everyone a lot better. You're much more connected. You have better relationships than with the weird uncle that you only see every two or three years. You know, that sort of thing. So it's a smaller group of people, and it's easier to get to know people better. There's these multi-generational connections, which are really important. Like studies show for young people to know adults not in their immediate family is a really powerful thing. Um, but there's more requirement to participate. You know, you're, it's a smaller group, so you can contribute more. You know, it's, you can't just be anonymous and sit there. Uh, so you're not just listening, you're discussing, you're sharing experiences, your thoughts, your insights, your opinions. You know, we get much more, it's much more easy to imagine that as a bring and share of, your, of what God's doing in your life. 
So that's the hub, the so second environment where discipleship happens. The third one is discipleship groups. So in that story in Acts, we see that Peter and John were doing some stuff together. They were traveling around together. They were encouraging one another to get involved and find out what God was like nudging them to do in that incident. And so I think the family equivalent for this is like siblings, if you have a good relationship with your siblings. It's like, you know, you're going to your siblings and saying, oh, this thing's going on. I'm not sure what to do. What do you think I should do? I'm, you know, it's like getting that sense of encouragement and camaraderie <laughs> um, going on together. So... Um, so for us, a discipleship group is it's three to five people who want to pro- provide a place where they are committed to finding what God's nudging them to do. Like, well, how is God involved in my everyday life? What's he asking me to do? Uh, so they meet as peers, not for one person to teach, but to, to be together and discern together. Uh, and then there's some level of accountability I mean, for me, knowing someone's going to ask me, how did I get on with that thing I said I was going to do? makes me do it whereas if no one's going to ask me I just you know you get busy doing other things especially stuff that feels a little bit of a challenge that's a step out of your kind of default life so those discipleship groups give us that place of encouragement and then finally the one that we all have is our everyday life this is where the person we're becoming that God's making us is revealed what we do with relationships with our staff with our successes and failures it's kind of it's being shaped by our discipleship. And this is a really important part that maybe we don't often think about because often we just think, well, I'm just doing my everyday life like everyone else does. But this is an area where God's really involved and discipleship is really important. And one of the reasons sometimes people say, oh, I think hubs is a great idea, discipleship groups are a good idea, but why do we, you know, why sometimes people don't like that we don't meet every Sunday doing this every Sunday and one of the reasons is I've been in churches where we add things are added all the time let's, oh this would be really good let's add that let's add that and you can get to a space where there is no room left for your everyday life like evenings and weekends are taken up doing church activities but actually it is a godly pursuit especially if God's leading you to get involved in a local like you're into, you're into I'm into athletics I'm joining an athletics club I'm you know, I'm doing this photography, I'm walking dogs, I'm seeing friends. All those things are important parts of being a Christian. You know, some of us will remember, like, a few decades ago, it was like, if you're a good Christian, you basically were in a church meeting every day of the week. You know, that was what marked you out as, you know, being one of God's favourites, you know. But it's just ridiculous, because God has put us to be light into the world. And if we're all here you know, and not engaging with people who need the light, it's not going to happen. So we don't want church to become a ghetto. So these four elements, the Sunday service is a large gathering where we, we can put a lot of work into it together. Hubs, smaller groups where we are getting to know one another, supporting one another, feeling more like a family. Discipleship groups where there's a few people who are helping us discern what God's saying to us in our lives and encouraging us to actually do it. And then the everyday life of understanding God's uh, involvement and discipling us in our in just normal life. So these are the four environments that I think are really important for us to be disciples. Now, Exeter Vineyard, these are what we are doing. So we want to do stuff that makes it easy to do that. So you're not having to reinvent the wheel. Um, 
but you don't have to do them with us. So if you, if you have another group that you think this fulfills the hub, I get to know these people, God is at the centre, um, there's that support, I know there are people that will pray for me, that will help me uh, if my car breaks down, these are people that are interested in me and uh, you know, love me, that's great if you've got some friends uh, and you say, well, actually, we meet really regularly. We pray together. We, d- we ask what God's wanting us to do. They encourage me to actually do it. That's great. It doesn't have to be a discipleship group. But the thing that we do need to be careful of, so I'm in a discipleship group. Sometimes uh, people can't make it and there's just two of us. What we tend to do is just chat, <laughs> you know, a chat, and then maybe say a prayer at the end, which is very different from the process of making space and, and going to the Bible and saying, God, what? What is, it you're la- what is it you're asking me to do in the next couple of weeks? So that's, again, about intention. It's not just about having good community, good friends. It's about how do we understand that God is giving us an opportunity to be, for him to be at work in those. So what I want to do is each time we do this is uh, leave you with a question for you to think about. And so you can discuss this in the car, on the way home, or whatever. But the question to think about is how, how are you engaging in these environments you know, have you thought about what uh, God wants to use each environment to do in your life? Are you, uh, are, you, are you doing that? Are you leaning into it? Are you giving him permission to do that? If you're not doing the ones that we're kind of trying to arrange and facilitate, you know, where are you finding it? Is there, maybe you kind of, like, you feel like, oh, it's 60% there, and you just need to have a conversation with those people and say, why don't we integrate, like, why don't we draw God more into this uh, friendship that we have? So all those things. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about Exeter Vineyard Church, head over to our website, www.exe.vin.com.